Hi, and welcome to The Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist, and I'm the online editor at The Strad. Hailing from a family of viola players are Dana and Mikhail Zemtsov. Ahead of the release of their album Fathers and Daughters, the Zemtsovs spoke with me about being part of a viola dynasty. How did this collective of violists come about? What makes a typical violist? The duo shares how the family is united by instrument, as well as painting a picture of life at home in a viola household. Plus, what it's like to work professionally with your family members. Here are Dana and Mikhail Zemtsov. Hello, Dana and Mikhail. Uh, thanks for joining me today on the Strad Podcast. So we're here today to talk about your unique relationship both as professional violists, but also as father and daughter, and coming from a long line, a dynasty of viola players. So music features very much in your family. I know you've got many viola players in the family. So Mikhail, first of all, tell me about the background to the family. Tell me about all the viola players that feature in the dynasty. Yes, the first viola player in our family was my mother, Ludmila Levinson, and she was also my first uh, teacher, but I started on the violin when I was 13 years old. She decided that uh, I had to go and try to enter the special uh, music school in Moscow, because we were living in the Ural Mountains in the Ufa, uh, in the city, which had quite a good uh, school, but uh, my mother had uh, big ambitions, so she wanted to bring him to Moscow. And at this uh, moment of the examination, the members of the committee, they thought that uh, I was sort of a typical candidate for a viola. <laughs> so what does that mean exactly? Because I know a lot of people do start off on violin, and we had an article in the Strad in the October issue about making the switch from violin to viola. So in your experience, what did it mean to be the typical candidate to be a viola player? Actually, I think personally that it's uh, rather than the, the instruments choose the people and not the people choose the instruments. <laughs> it's a, it's a never casual that the person plays a certain instrument. If we put a little bit attention on that, we, we will notice uh, a lot of interesting things. You know, the, the people who play bassoons, for example, they're different from the people who play flutes somehow. There is something in in uh, your personality or in your aura or whatever which uh, suggests that you would be good with a certain instrument. You know, there is yeah. a, a certain affinity with a certain instrument. Regarding viola players, uh, I think uh, many people could explain this, how, how the violinist is different from a viola player. So the, the, the violinists are very ambitious people and they they are want to win all the competitions and be great soloists and, and so on. And the viola players are more calm, more meditative or more philosophic. More social, so, right? I feel like social, viola players probably. are in, in the middle of the orchestra and they, yeah. they get to, you know, play around with lots of different people. Yeah, there's a lot of nice people amongst viola players, I would say. Yeah, and especially within your, your family. So, I mean, you mentioned your mother was a violist and also your father right who was a composer uh, my father uh, was a violinist until he got an injury he, he was practicing too much the the fingers that's you know this octaves and 
uh, double stops. And uh, when he was 16 years old, uh, he had very bad injury on the left hand, so he couldn't play anymore. And that's why he actually changed to the composition. But it showed to be actually a very good choice because he, he became a fantastic composer and fantastic arranger. You know, we've mentioned many times that there are so many violists that feature in the family. And Dana, of course, you're a violist as well. So your father, Mikhail, started on the violin. Was it the same for you? Did you start on the violin or did you start on the viola? Uh, yes, I started on the violin also. It was actually, I think what my father just said about the instrument choosing you and there is a certain path that just happens. This, for me, it happened like this. So, uh, of course, there were many violists around me and I knew the instrument well. I knew the whole repertoire when I was a little baby. (laughs) (laughs) So it was the most familiar uh, world for me. And I can for sure say that I loved music in any kind of way. I would listen to many recordings go. Since I was a little baby, my parents would take me to rehearsals of the National Symphony Orchestra in Mexico, and I would sit in long rehearsals or in recordings. And apparently I was just struck. If there was music, I would just not move, you know? And then, yes, it just happened that the viola, there were many violas at home, <laughs> so I didn't have to go far to look You could one. take your pick with instruments. You didn't have to <laughs> go very far to find any. Yes. And you probably had all the music already, right? Yes, exactly. All the parts are there, the fingering. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And my sister, she she took a more complicated part. She she also had the violin lessons and viola lessons, actually. She played very well piano and through a very big path roundabout, <laughs> she came <laughs> to jazz singing. So now she's studying jazz singing and producing and also turned out to be in music in a different way. So for your family, I would assume for the both of you, viola is a way of life. And I'm thinking about how it's not necessarily always such a conscious choice to choose these instruments. But as you've mentioned before, the instrument chooses you. Much like how in Harry Potter, they say the wand chooses the wizard. Um, Do you have any particular memories that stand out where you realize, oh, my goodness, we are a viola dynasty. I know Mikhail mentioned, you mentioned that something about seven viola players in the family. What's a really memorable moment featuring the viola for you? We had a very fortunate destiny, I would say, because uh, we immigrated to Mexico in in 91. So we started working in the National Symphony Orchestra uh, uh, there with my wife. But then um, after some years, I went to a competition in Isle of Men. And I met there uh, Michael Kugel, uh, this one of the greatest uh, viola virtuosos of, of our time. I knew him still in Moscow. I went to his recitals, of course, together with my friends. Uh, but I never met him personally. And that was the first time I met him personally. And I played on his master class. That was, I think, in the 95. After some years... Uh, I had the idea that I had to learn more and I wanted really to know uh, and, and much more and to get much more skills, you know. So in, in 98, I went to Belgium to meet him and um, finally we 
also at this moment I, I made audition in the Stavanger Symphony Orchestra in, in Norway and we moved to Europe and then so we lived in Norway but we were traveling every month to have lessons in, in Ghent in Belgium with Michael Kugel and finally I could say all my family studied with, with Michael Kugel I have two brothers and one sister so uh, one brother Alexander Zemtsov he has an artistic name Alexander Gordon Actually, he lived in London for quite a long time, and he was a principal violin in the London Philharmonic Orchestra. And my second brother, David, and my sister, Dina, all of them, they studied with, with Michael Kugel. And my, my other brother, he's a violinist, actually, but uh, Michael Kugel, he also was teaching violinists. He knew very well the violin repertory as well. So this Michael was kind of the godfather of, of this <laughs> dynasty. He sort of touched the lives of, of everyone. So he created basically this... Uh, <laughs> strange family of, of huge amount of viola players who also most of us studied with the same teacher. This is also a very special thing about us, I think. Mm. There's a, a very tight-knit community and then that's how these sort of things spread. So Dana, you mentioned, you know, going to concerts and just being really struck by the sound of the viola. Do you have a particular memory of familial viola playing in your life? Well, I would say one of the first memories I would think of is my grandmother playing the viola because she was an incredible uh, personality, very warm and very kind of bohemian. <laughs> in a, and she loved music above all and she was very alive and her great uh, dream was that the whole family would live together in a huge house and make music all day. That was basically <laughs> what she stood for. And uh, I remember, yeah, just a family. She liked to organize family concerts at home and she would play the viola and talk and make, you know, pizza. And we would just all sit together and uh, share whoever wanted to play something would play or recite a poem also my grandma, grandfather would do it. So, for me, that's the spirit of it. And mm -hmm. I must say, specifically with the viola, I think the moment I understood I wanted to do that was my first lesson with Michael Kugel, actually. Uh, before the that, godfather. Yes. <laughs> before yeah. that, I was playing violin and I loved ballet. I really uh, was thinking also to do audition for ballet. And, you know, like I had normal youth with many different interests which music was a huge part of but i wouldn't say i was specifically focusing on viola until i grew enough <laughs> when i was 11 years old i think or 12 and i got my first uh, little viola it was a, a very small but very beautiful instrument and somehow there was some connection there with this instrument and i just remember mm -hmm. He came to our home, my parents' home in The Hague, and we were together here. And then they took out this viola and this moment of also somehow I think of the light from the windows and a bit of sunshine and this light falling on the viola. And somehow this moment I never forgot. And it yeah. was kind of very special. And I mean, I, I knew uh, Mr. Kogel for a very long time as a child, but, you know, now I could actually be yeah. the apprentice <laughs> that was your light bulb moment and and again the under the influence of the godfather michael once, yes funnily <laughs> once enough, more he became kind of family also for us you know mm -hmm. and 
and he has had such an impact on many people's lives. And when I was studying with him, he had around 60 students and he was an incredibly, is still incredibly generous. Yeah, you don't find this kind of people often. So I still remember as a child just sitting in the lessons and already being interested and not understanding quite what he meant. He had a very particular mysterious own world, which you had to kind of get into to understand. It's such a gift, isn't it? Like to be able to be that generous and to give and and touch so many people's lives. Absolutely. And it inspires you to look I mean, this inspiration I got for all my life to search in music and, you know, you never stand still, you never stop learning, you're always evolving, you're always changing. These lessons are not only viola lessons, they're life lessons. Life lessons, So there is a good reason why he was so special and why we all got kind of infected. It's not a beautiful (laughs) word. (laughs) We fell in love with him. Actually, uh, my wife, Yulia Dinerstein, uh, Dana's mother, um, she was a violinist. In Mexico City, she still played violin, and when we moved to Norway, she still played violin. And then uh, I brought her to Michael Kugel, and uh, so I, I told her now he also has uh, a violin student, so I convinced her also to go with me and play for him. And, and she went for some time also taking lessons on the violin. And at a certain moment, I bought this small viola there in Stavanger. And uh, uh, she was like, why do you need this viola? It's too small for you. What are you? Uh, I didn't think of anything, but I ch- this viola sounded so beautiful. And uh, I also had a certain feeling we, we need to have this instrument. She started just trying this viola little by little. And then after a while, she just didn't want to touch the violin anymore <laughs> she she very exactly <laughs> so 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 she always we always baptized another viola, viola player yeah. in our family this way <laughs> another converts just yes, like yeah. no matter who, who michael meets he, he turns them into viola players i wonder if, if i ever met him if i would turn into one i'm a cellist sure. maybe maybe he would <laughs> i'm sure stranger things have happened so let's talk a little bit about um your upcoming album fathers and daughters which is this collaboration between both you two and also another father and daughter uh, piano father and daughter duo Anna Fedorova and her father Boris Fedorov tell me a little bit about the dynamic of working with family what's it like <laughs> for you is because I know that music obviously featured so largely in you know at home in, in the house but professionally you know is it different what's it like for both of you I think one of the reasons why this idea even came up was because we're very, very close friends with Anna and we immediately got kind of very almost family feeling when we met six years ago already, something like this. And uh, very quickly we noticed that there were many interesting similarities in our life paths. Mm -hmm. And one of these things was course that we had we came from these uh, dynasties of uh, she came from a piano dynasty and I came from a viola dynasty and uh, we also studying wise we kind of uh, Anna studied with her dad until she was 18 I studied with Google for, for a very long long time also and things like these that were just kind of similar and also this love for music and kind of 
music being not only uh, something you do on the side, but actually a way of life, <laughs> almost yeah. part of the family world and, and all of this. And also the fact that we were both very, very, still are <laughs> very, very close to our families and it's the dynamic in the family was very similar. So this is how this whole idea actually came up to do this project. It's funny, we just got the first little critic, uh, article slash critic in a Dutch uh, magazine that said that listening to this CD was like entering a living room and you almost feel like an intruder because you feel like you're in a family setting, like something like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, something quite personal. Yeah, yes. well, That's interesting that that translates into recording as well. You know, obviously there's a dynamic that you have that you bring to your performance, to your recording. Exactly. And I was very happy to hear that because that was exactly the feeling, you know, like also in my family, we started this viola quartet, some sort of viola quartet with my parents and my uncle first, and uh, now my uncle is conducting more, so my cousin joined in, Daniel Zemtsov, who is also a viola player. <laughs> and, surprise. Yes, surprise. <laughs> Basically, that also, this quartet, we started so that we, between all the craziness of travels and concerts and the, the teaching and uh, whatever everyone does, that we have a moment of being together and actually meeting up with a family and also maybe remembering a bit the philosophy of my grandmother. This is exactly the, the atmosphere that happens in the recording and that happens often in the viola quartet. And of course, when you rehearse, everything goes quicker because you're more direct. You don't... You don't use, <laughs> go into diplomacy. Right, yes. Family, you can just be direct, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Dad, why are you playing like that? Yes. Dana, why are you playing like that? I mean, would you agree? Would you Would you say you're still, you know, still civil to each other? Mikhail, how do you hold rehearsals when you're rehearsing with close family members? We don't do anything special. We just do what is necessary. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, working-wise and, uh, and, and music-wise, but mostly we enjoy so much playing together. The things don't happen casually in the life. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced in that. And, and uh, this project is one of the <laughs> proofs of, of, of this uh, life view, I think. And also, so when you see all these coincidences in our, in our families, uh, when you see our, uh, how, how we understand each other, both well when we are playing and when we are just uh, talking or, or being together, I'm extremely thankful that this collaboration was possible and we met each other and we can we can enjoy so much playing uh, mm. and also of course sharing it with the people because that's of course the, the our big goal as an artist. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Yes, so it's a culmination of all these series of coincidences that you've mentioned th yeah. happening throughout life and significant interactions, mostly with the godfather Michael, yeah. it seems, <laughs> that have um, resulted in this big viola dynasty, this big collaboration. And I, I guess that's how, you know, you're able to collaborate successfully without throwing too much fire or too much shade, and uh, but still being direct. 
Yes, I mean, actually, it makes it easier because you don't have to walk on eggs when you rehearse. Do I offend someone? You know, you love each other. That's there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So you don't need to sugarcoat anything. Yeah. No, you're just doing the, what's right for the music and enjoying the time together. And that's the most important. <laughs> but you know, sometimes I notice that for some people it is uh, not so easy to understand how it works. We get uh, many questions that, oh, how is that possible? You play with your family, that must be hard, you know? <laughs> or for example, people ask, or you probably have a lot of competition uh, because you all are so high profile players and how do you deal with that? I get a little bit confused when I hear these questions because we don't know these problems <laughs> mm. so you see so we, we we just don't think this way i imagine for you all it's more constructive and collaborative rather than destructive and competitive so of course that's how yes, you're, you're able to raise each other up rather than shut yeah. each other down <laughs> I, I think in, in general you know the the, the colleagues the, you know people who are doing this, this same thing uh, or like, for example, it's the students who studied in, in the school, the same thing. They are very much to, to help each other and to help each other to grow. And even if there is a certain competition, it is just to, to help each other to have challenge. And, you know? So you know, all these things, they are, they are extremely positive if you look at them at the right way. Building everyone up and, and spreading the viola love. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Dana and Mikhail, thank you for joining me today on the Strad Podcast to thank shed a much. little bit of light on the viola dynasty <laughs> and long live the viola, I say. Absolutely. <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much, much for having us. As mentioned earlier, the Zemtsovs have an upcoming album release called Fathers and Daughters with father and daughter piano duo Anna Fedorova and Boris Fedorov, and it's out on the 3rd of November. Don't forget to check out thestrad.com where you'll find the latest news, articles and reviews on all things to do with string playing. If you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. We've got 50% off an online subscription for students and if you're not sure you're ready to subscribe, take out a free trial for seven days, start reading right away with no strings attached. If you happen to be on Apple Podcasts right now, give us a review or rating, it will help other people discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and tune in again soon for another episode. Take good care. Bye.